This is the Kent Business Podcast. So hello everybody, welcome to the Kent Business Podcast, episode two. I'm here with my guest, Simon Ludden from Tarvos Wealth. Um, and he's he's here to talk to us today about his business, um, how it was formed, and some of the trends that he's seen in the Kent area uh, to do with um, wealth management and, and some of the different aspects of the industry as well. So welcome, Simon. Hello there. <laughs> so Simon, tell us a little bit about Tarvos Wealth. How did you form? We were originally the um, investment and financial services department of a quite large firm of lawyers in the Kent area. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it seemed that over a period of time we were getting more and more referrals from other firms of lawyers um, because of our expertise in that particular area. Yeah. Um, so we agreed that we would actually form a separate company, which we did almost three years ago. Okay, so, so the... I can imagine if it was separating from, from, from lawyers previously, then maybe it'd be the case that some lawyers actually prefer it now that, <laughs> that, you, that you are separated. Yeah. I think it was difficult for some because they clearly didn't want their clients sitting in the reception area of another of a rival firm. Yeah, So that, 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 was, that was difficult and, and one or two of them made it very clear that um, we needed to be a separate company before they would uh, be happy to refer our clients to us. Yeah, and, and so how's business been since then? That's been great. It's been really good. Um, it's quite nice being free um, <laughs> to do the and build the company in the way you want to build it. Yeah. I think um, we felt we'd reached a bit of a glass ceiling, if you like, mm -hmm. in where we were, and um, this allows us to talk to a wide range of people from different backgrounds, which is great. Okay, so what is your specialisms at, at Tarvos Wealth? Tell me a little bit about what it is you do specifically. I think because we're used to dealing with lawyers, um, a lot of the work we had originally came from what they call private client in the lawyer and legal area, which is, for those who don't know, it's areas like wills, probate, trusts, etc. Um, yeah. So we underpin the business with trusts and we look after about 120 trusts. Um, most people might say, oh, what's that got to do with me? But actually, it's amazing how many trusts there are for just ordinary people who've, who've died and their will set up trusts. So that was important. Yeah. Um, and on the back of that, uh, we've also developed a number of specialities as well. So if I look at my, my colleague Ruth, for example, um, she specializes in the vulnerable client area, particularly elderly client. She is a board member of SOLA, which is S-O-L-L-A, which is the Society of Later Life Advisors. Yep. She's actually at a board meeting today, which is why she can't be here. Okay. <laughs> um, and I've developed specialisms in areas like divorce, for example, um, and uh, which can be quite interesting getting around the table with people who hate each other. Yes, uh, well, as a counselor in, in a lot of yeah, senses. You try to be. I mean, obviously, I only deal with the financial bit, so yeah. we leave the solicitors to deal with the families <laughs> and everything else. But um, it's something I really quite enjoy. And my background was originally legal myself. Many, okay. many years ago, I, I trained to be a lawyer and then did um, a couple of years of divorce law before yeah. deciding I couldn't do that for the next 40 <laughs> years. Um, but it, it's, it's sort of in a very full circle, really. Uh, I've come back and uh, now dealing with a lot of uh, people in the Canterbury area, particularly those who try to work on a collaborative basis. Now, not many people know about this, but when you separate from someone, it's not necessarily acrimonious. Um, a lot of people are quite grown up about it and say, well, look, we agree we can't live together anymore. Yeah. Um, so let's sit down and actually work out a deal that we can then move on with our lives. And I like to be part of that. There's a 
a group called East Kent Collaborative Law Pod, for example, which are lawyers and a financial advisor, myself and accountants, who are dedicated to a more comfortable type of um, d- divorce split. Yeah, where I can imagine it's a bit nicer to work in as well, that type of environment. Well, absolutely. In fact, <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the members has a company called Divorce Nicely. <laughs> so, uh, and that's what it's all about. It's a bit more touchy-feely, but I think at the end of, at the, end of the process, people feel that they've been listened to, um, even if they don't necessarily quite like the deal they've got at the end, they understand yeah. why they are where they are. And I think that's quite important rather than bitter and twisted for the rest of their lives. So I think that's that's an important part of what we do. Okay, so what type of clients do you particularly look at in, in the Kent area normally? Um, I, I would say on the whole, they're probably professional clients. Um, we deal with a lot of people from the university, um, teachers, yeah. that sort of area. Um, people who are inheriting money is a common thing where you're dealing with wealth management um, if you're inheriting money or, um, again, come through... Uh, their solicitors, for example, where they've um, had a, a personal injury claim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we do quite a lot of that that sort of work. So it's a pretty wide variety. I look at our client base and they really cover most areas. And yeah, there's no specific you, one that jumps yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I suppose if you look at what work we do most, that has to be people coming up towards retirement. Interesting. So okay. that'll be people in their late 50s to early 60s who are thinking, oh, I'm about to retire in the next couple of years, I'm going to do something. Um, And I suppose if you look at one particular area that's the key thing that we do, I guess that would be it. Okay, so is that just out of interest, is that some people who are business owners who are looking to retire or is it just in general just people who are in business looking to retire? Yeah, I mean, it can be business owners, but um, in general, everyone needs to do this. And of course, we're in a situation now where um, everyone who's employed has now moved into a pension scheme where they liked it or not. I mean, they, yeah. they could have opted out, but most people haven't. So we're all going to have pension schemes. And um, one of the problems a lot of people have is that um, the days when someone left school, worked in the same company for the rest of their lives and then retired are long gone. Yeah. So people have a number of different pension schemes. And um, part of what we do is collate those together and actually put them into something that works for when they, when they leave work and retire or want a decent income in retirement. That makes sense. And I think that that will definitely help people, especially moving forward. I know myself, it's very unlikely that when I retire, there's ever going to be a pension. There may be stuff that I've paid into over the years, but there will Mm. be no state pension. So looking at kind of wealth management options, I can see it actually growing much bigger over the next 10 years. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, certainly the government have put things in place to make people more self-reliant in retirement. Um, They've moved the state pension away from... Um, what they call pension to a sustain what they call a sustainable living, if you like. Yeah. Um, most people wouldn't regard it as that when they saw the amount, <laughs> but um, it's it's basically what they feel people could live on without falling on state benefits. Yeah. And um, it, it's very evident that this self reliance is is the way that the government are going. So we've seen auto enrolment over the last few years for those in employment, where their companies are now putting them automatically into pensions, which means that everyone who's working, if you're self-employed like yourself, um, you're even more self-reliant. Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. But people who are working will have their company putting money in for them. Yeah. And um, the bigger companies started and the smaller companies are now uh, are pretty well all done now. So everyone should be in a pension that's in an employment situation now. So they will all have funds. But of course, as they move companies, 
the company they're, they're moving to may have a totally different pension provider. Yeah. So they'll end up at 65, 66, 67 with a number of pots. And we hope that at some point there will be a dashboard where people can actually go and look online and actually see everything they've got. That's a good idea. Um, I think it'll be a brilliant idea. They, yeah. They're talking about it, but actually putting it together seems to be a different yeah. proposition because <laughs> no doubt it costs money. So yeah, of course. I, I'm hoping it'll happen eventually. Um, and, and people, particularly those working in agencies, will have you know £50 here, £100 there, and, and it will be a bit of a nightmare to tie it all together. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite difficult, um, uh, having that many pensions and trying to, to juggle that effectively because I'm... Mm. Could, I, I don't know enough about the subject to be able to comment, but is it something that you get paid like a little bit from each, or do you have to pick one then that, to go at one time? Well, or well, what we have since um, two thousand fifteen, we've had something called pensions freedom. Yeah, um, and that's that's great. I think it's a, it's, it's a really good policy, but it it does open up a huge can of worms, if yeah. you like. Um, and technically, if you've got lots of little pensions, you could just take it all as cash. But with some tax taken off, yeah, um, and that of course doesn't give you an income in retirement. Yes, of course. so um, ideally for those who've got, should we say, have accumulated a reasonable amount of money, um, we can sit down with them and say, look, you've got these bits and pieces, collate them into one sustainable managed pot, and then decide what. You, let's talk about what your options are, and your options are quite enormous now. Yeah, um, the the days when you just went and bought an annuity from an insurance company are long gone. You know, you have a whole raft of options available to you. And um, the important thing is whatever you do, it's suitable for your own circumstances. Okay, so is there something that you recommend that's, that, that could be over the next kind of 10 years, something to, to maybe start looking at with, with a, a minimal risk in terms of uh, managing the money and, and the finances? Well, what we did, I think, um, I think you've hit on a really important thing. It's almost my my soapbox thing yeah. because people talk about the technical areas of pensions but actually forget all a pension is really is a, an investment with a tax wrap around it for most people so unless you're in those sort of final salary type arrangements yeah that's what it is um and people forget that actually to um make money with that they have to take an element of risk yeah if you put it all in cash as we know the rate you're going to get at the moment is is abysmal and in fact, you'll find that the cost of pension will outweigh the return you get. So you'll you'll see your pot going down. So you you do need to invest sensibly. And one of the things we take very seriously is um, looking at a risk questionnaire uh, that we go through. This whole risk profile, if you go through with with clients, um, and that will come out with an idea. And it's amazing how accurate some of these psychometric tests are. Yeah. Um, that will come up with a good idea of what your risk profile is as a client. If there's an area that, that we don't necessarily agree, we will have that discussion with you and then, and then, then agree that. And then um, a year or so back, we, we decided that the idea of an IF, uh, independent financial advice firm, I said IFA, that's a, sort of, yeah. it's a bit jargonistic, um, <laughs> independent, independent financial advice firm, literally picking the funds and everything, I think has pretty well gone out the window now. I think we're moving that's on to something a little bit more sophisticated. So we partnered with a city company called Square Mile, um, who people won't necessarily know, but um, they provide, they're one of the, the major research, uh, fund research companies in the city. And um, they now manage a range of portfolios we've set up with them called the Tarvis portfolios. So yeah. they, they vary from 
defensive portfolio, which is obviously the lowest risk portfolio, so that's just a bit over cash, to the adventurous portfolio, which is what it says it is on the tin. Um, and part of our process is to find which is the most appropriate portfolio for you. And that will change as you go through. So though, uh, if you're a younger, say someone your age, then yeah, yep. you would probably go to something a bit more adventurous. Yes, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as you get closer to retirement, there's a fair chance you'd want more, a little bit more balanced yep. or even towards defensive type of strategy. So what's important is not only what you do at the beginning, but that that fact, the fact it's reviewed every year and you as circumstances change as you get nearer retirement so maybe your risk profile goes down so it's important to keep things under review yeah i can imagine as as kind of life progresses you maybe get a bit more conservative i mean for myself yeah. now in a position where i don't necessarily i'm not married i don't have children and things yeah. so i'm able to be a bit more risk averse and, and well i think it's, know, i think it's two that. things what, what is that but also i think um if you bear in mind, if we're still talking about retirement, then that's quite a long way away for you. Yeah. So if you're going to be investing, if ever, on a tw- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. If you're if you're going to be investing over say twenty years or more, then clearly you want to take some risk because um, if you don't take risk, as we know, the return, as I said, is very low. Yeah. But generally, stock market investments over that period will outweigh the benefits of other types of investments. So it's important you take some risk in that sort of field. So there's not really a one-size-fits-all of investment for people. So it, it's very more to do with yeah. um, age range, how long you're looking to invest and kind of yeah. seeing. And, and sometimes it comes down to personal preference as well. But, yeah. um, but again, you know, that is something we'd have a discussion with people about. One of the problems with auto-enrollment where people were put into their pensions by their companies is that they had to have a one-size-fits-all model. Yes. Um, so they, they adopted something called lifestyle uh, funds, which all they did is effectively they looked at your age and distance from retirement, and then they would put you in something suitable for that. But it wasn't tailor made for you. Yeah. Um, but it was a you know a decent stab at trying to to fit that model, if you like. Um, what we try to do here is something very bespoke. Yeah, I can imagine obviously being a wealth management with the auto enrollment coming in. You guys understood exactly what, yeah. what the yeah. best format of that was. Yeah, and sometimes because we were often advising companies. Yeah. Um, we had to say, right, this is the best scheme for you as a company. Um, and I would say, uh, with the, with um, generally the employees in the company, employees of the company, probably ninety five percent of them just want to go into the bulk standard lifestyle yeah. fund, and they probably won't look at it again. Um, but as people have built up pots of money, and, and generally as they get older, when they have, they suddenly realise they've got oh, a bit more money there than I thought I had. I better get someone to look at this and that's where we get we tend to get involved yeah that's interesting actually to see kind of the, the level of involvement that that, mm. that happens there because i know in my previous role it was very much yeah if i have to go on it i'll go on it but mm. for me i always look at as an example something like property as as a good investment because it's always around mm. um and obviously the market swings and goes up and down yeah i think i think people yeah sometimes forget the property also goes down um <laughs> but people like property because you can kick it and stroke it and yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can see it's there. Um, I think with property it's a, it's a tricky one because clearly it's been a good investment for many years. Um, people may forget that in 2007-8 it went down considerably. Yes. Um, but and, and I always say if you're going to buy property for investment apart from just living in it then you have to be aware of what they call a the hassle factor. You know, and, and some people have very good experiences, but other people have extremely difficult experiences of, yeah. of buy-to-let. But it is definitely part, property generally is part of the 
general remit of investment. So even if, for example, we were investing in a pension or someone came to us with a portfolio of money to invest, there's a fair chance we would consider property as part of that uh, that portfolio anyhow. Yeah. Uh, normally, if you're st if you're inve in investment funds, you're talking about commercial property rather than residential property. Yes. Um, but um, it's it's always part of a portfolio along with shares and bonds and cash and so they're all mixed together in the right profiles if you like okay okay thank you so we've taken quite a wide variety mm. of uh, of a look over in the investment portfolios and the different types of investment um, and a little bit about Tarvos Wealth as well so we're just going to take a short break and when we're back we're going to discuss in further kind of what we see in Kent moving forward in terms of wealth management and anything that's going to pop up that's innovative in that field as well um, so we will see you all shortly have you ever wanted to really shake up your marketing activity? I mean, really shake it up. Listening to the future of your business. Stop paying £75 for a half-page ad in a magazine that hardly anybody reads. The Kemp Business Podcast is cheaper to advertise on and it will impact more people as they listen to it passively throughout their day. Be innovative and really stand out from the crowd, which none of your competitors will be able to do. For only £50 per episode, you can sponsor this podcast and have your voice heard every single week. We only have three spaces available for advertising on the podcast and we only do one per industry. So why not push yourself out there right now and advertise on the Kent Business Podcast? We change the way you speak to your audience. So welcome back from the break. We're here with my guest, Simon Ludden from Tarvos Wealth. Um, now we're going to start to look at some of the taxes that you might face when, when looking at wealth management. So Simon, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we were talking a bit about property before the break. And one of the things that people have become very aware of, and certainly the newspapers have majored on a great deal, is inheritance tax. Um, so I found quite an emotive tax for many people. It's either something... They have, don't care about at all, and as yeah. far as they're concerned, the kids get what the kids get. Um, or they'd almost put themselves into poverty to avoid paying the tax, and yeah. it seems to be quite emotional for some people. Um, but I think it's worth, worth mentioning there's some quite simple things you can do. It's quite difficult if all your money is in property, yeah. because then really you've got nothing liquid. You can actually move into something that's tax efficient. Um, so really you're, you're mainly talking about taking insurance out to cover it. But if you've got liquid assets, what a lot of people don't realise, you can go to some quite simple investments. And this could be for people also quite elderly as well. Yeah. I've got a number of very elderly clients, well into their 80s, who are moving into this and actually just moving money out of their estates. And this is usually something called business relief. Um, used to be called business property relief, which actually I think rolls off the tongue better, <laughs> yeah. BPR. Um, and there's a number of companies doing this. And... It allows people to invest in either high-risk areas or low-risk areas. And this is, again, what people don't realise. They think you have to go very high-risk with this, but you don't. Yeah. And if you invest in that a business relief type investment, then as long as you're holding the investment for two years and you die holding that investment, then the money is outside of your estate. That's it. And with the tax of 40% on inheritance tax, that's a big saving. Yeah, absolutely. So if you put, for example, £100,000 in, you save £40,000 after two years. And it's, for many people, a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. And we're finding a lot of people are interested in that sort of areas, particularly clients that are referred to us by solicitors. 
Okay, so so that seems to be kind of a, a boom market at the moment for. for I you think guys. so. Yeah, but, yeah, particularly people who've seen their their estates rise because of property assets and things like that. Yeah, I can imagine as um, my family's in property themselves, and mm. they've always said, you know, you need to be careful of inheritance tax as soon mm. as it comes because we need to, you know, you need to be able to manage that when, mm. when and if we pass. But it is much more difficult to plan with property. Yes, you need yeah, liquidity. You, you need to start really. selling it, and then yeah. you try and get yeah. the money back and be exactly. able to do that. So, yeah. okay, that's interesting. Starting to look at business property relief or, or business relief as, as yeah. it is now. Yeah, um, and that that can be a problem for companies as well because if you've got a family company. Uh, one of the things they're reliant on, if they, for example, um, a, a mother and father uh, run the company, want to leave it to their children, yeah, um, they're obviously dependent on uh, business relief for um, passing the family business down. Yeah. Um, now we're finding it, it, in the last few years, and this is—I don't want to be political about this, but I'm—I'm I'm guessing it's because of some of the uncertainty around. Yeah. Um, a lot of businesses are stockpiling cash. Now that can be a problem. Um, it can mean one it's not getting a return on the cash which we know about there yeah. are things you can do about that um, but also the revenue could regard that as a it becomes an investment company effectively which means that they don't benefit from business relief okay which means that on the death of the owners of the company the children coming through who are expecting to inherit this nice profitable company suddenly yeah. face a very unexpected and quite large tax bill that's interesting. I didn't realise that happened. Yeah, that, that can happen. And there are one or two things you can do about it. Not many, but there are one or two things you can do about it. Why investing sensibly into something which creates a trading uh, structure within the, the cash that you have in the company. Yeah. Um, which then allows you to then continue to benefit from business relief. So there are things you can do about this. So this is something that we've seen quite recently. Yeah. Um, because companies... Some are doing extremely well. I mean, we know the high street struggling a little bit, but some other companies are doing very well, but are still uncertain because of the current economic climate. Yeah. Um, stockpiling money, etc. This is you know, being quite quite advantageous for them. Yeah, because I can imagine with the economy as it is at the moment mm. and, and the, the, the climate to come, or, yeah. well, nobody really knows what's coming um, in terms of how, mm. how it could affect. There's a lot mm. of um, speculation and... I think, that, I think there is, and, yeah. and uh, you know, there, there is a lot of concern. And despite the government continually telling us that, that we're, we're doing brilliantly <laughs> as an economy, we're still the we're lagging the rest of the developed world as far as economics is concerned at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so that that's definitely something to look yeah. at then, is making sure that we're not classed mm. as investment companies moving forward, and and that we are utilizing yeah. that that kind of process. Generally, the rule of thumb on that is um, it is down to the local inspector of tax. The rule of thumb is if you are stockpiling more than twenty percent of your turnover then you probably, you could fall foul of that. That's, it. That's mad for me personally, because you, surely you want that in the background to make sure that you're, you know, yeah. rainy day fund. Yeah, um, no, yeah. I mean, it's, you could argue with the local inspector of taxes, but if you if it's just sitting there, which in many companies it is, yeah. you can do so. Yeah, not so knowing what to do so with that's, it. That's one thing. So inheritance tax has been quite, quite big. Um, yeah. I always think capital gains tax is something that people worry about too much. Funny enough. That's interesting. Yeah, because obviously it's something we get involved in as wealth managers. Yeah. Um, so we, we use as far as possible things like ISAs and pensions we talked about earlier, which are very tax efficient and don't bear capital gains tax. But people who have portfolios of investments, again, applies to buy-to-let property, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but portfolios of investments that are not in taxable wrappers, then they are going to be subject to capital gains tax. But at the moment... Um, 
it means that the capital gains tax is quite a benign tax compared to to most. Yeah. So, for example, um, if you generate, um, if you sell shares, and you're over your, you've still got a personal allowance of eleven thousand three hundred before we have to pay tax on yeah. the gain. Um, but the tax on that is, if you're a base rate taxpayer, is only ten percent or twenty percent if you're a higher rate taxpayer, yeah. which is obviously considerably lower than other taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's more on property. Which is where maybe you're coming from, because yeah. on property it's eighteen and twenty-eight percent, but still quite benign compared to other taxes. Okay. Um, but it, it's and and I always feel to a certain extent sometimes people protest too much, and and the <laughs> the fact that if you're having to pay capital gains tax, it means you made money. Yeah. And sometimes you have to pay a bit of tax if you pay money. Yeah. Um, but there's not a huge amount you can do with capital gains tax apart from maybe invest into some specialist enterprise investment schemes which allow you to roll that over. Okay, so um, there are ways of managing There are ways it of doing almost, it. There can be, yeah. yeah. You can you, you can you can kick it down the road. You know, and, and you it kick will it down roll the, back. <laughs> yeah. Well the the, the most effective thing for capital gains tax is to die. Yeah, that's, well, quite, that's yeah. a very effective but quite dramatic way of um, saving tax. Well, if you want to avoid yeah. it that much then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Thank you for, for talking about the taxes there. Is there anything that you've seen more specifically in the Kent area that's kind of taken your eye in terms of innovative um, investments or anything that really stands out for you locally? Well, I, I suppose we keep going back to property, which is interesting in Canterbury, where we're based, Yeah. Um, in that we've seen the rise of a huge number of um, student new student properties yeah. here. And it does make me wonder where the homes of multiple occupation are going to go. Canterbury. We've got a number of clients that are involved, and I, I know, and I know the local letting guy that specialises in in student lettings, yeah. and he's absolutely um, beside himself with the government <laughs> interference in the yes, uh, property yeah, market and the letting market. Um, so I do wonder whether the that people will move out of buy to let to a certain extent and, and look at diversifying portfolios yeah. um, because of the problems involved. So I suppose that's the most local thing. Um, otherwise, it really comes back to what we talked about earlier with pensions. Pensions are the big subject at the moment, particularly since the pension freedom laws came in in 2015. Yeah. Um, where people are now looking at, um, you know, different, more, shall you say, more expansive ways of using their pension funding. Um, one other thing which has cropped up recently is, um, Although there is no FTSE 100 company now that has a final salary or defined benefit type of pension scheme yeah. to, to open to new members, um, a lot of people still have those sorts of schemes available. And some of those schemes um, are allowing very high transfer values at the moment. Um, but it's important you take a lot of advice on these. We've had a number of people come to see us. Um, some of the financial companies like Barclays, Aviva, um, if you ask them how much, how much would I get if I transferred my money out, you might be pleasantly surprised at the amount. <laughs> I think there's probably quite a short window, and a lot of that's down to um, perhaps actuarial calculations, but it's also partly down to the companies themselves trying to get things off the balance book, Yeah, you know, as far as the pension is concerned. So there is a potential opportunity. I don't want to big it up too much because... Um, <laughs> Currently, the regulator is down in South Wales, um, shutting down companies that have been advising people to come out of the British Steel Pension oh. Scheme quite wrongly. <laughs> um, but there are occasions where people perhaps should look at this. Yeah. Um, and the way we would treat that is the first thing we would do is we do a full analysis of the scheme. And that would then tell us 
and we do that sort of for a fixed fee and then that would tell us whether it's worth exploring whether to transfer that or not yeah so if somebody would be interested in potentially looking at that could they give you guys a, a call or um, yeah just absolutely to you about that just as a yeah you know some advice almost. Yeah, there's been quite a lot in the press about it so it's one of those things that that it's important you take proper qualified advice yeah. not all financial advisors or even independent financial advisors are qualified to give advice on this obviously we are that's what you're yeah. saying <laughs> that's um, a good thing. yeah <laughs> um but it's important you have the proper advice and and it is it is quite technical stuff and the there's no going back once you've done it you can't say oh wish i hadn't done that yeah you know it's it's a one-off move it is what it is yeah uh, and then you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and it's the right thing to do Okay, so if people yeah. are interested in yeah. it, then definitely see some help before yeah. you do it. Yeah, but I, I think it's worth mentioning on the basis that people may have read stuff about it yeah. and thinking, am I, am I missing out? Well, you may be, you may not be. And that's, that's the thing that's is the that a lot yeah. of people, especially if it becomes mm. media attention and yeah. and something that they're publishing, people are like, oh, maybe I should be on that. Whereas actually mm. in reality, maybe they just need to speak to somebody first. Well, we, uh, we, I would say as many people as we've moved, transferred, we've told to stay where they are. That's interesting. Mm. So you are, you know, you don't necessarily force somebody one way or, or the other. No, 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 it's no. We, we, well, we would say we would do the analysis and say, look, quite honestly, you would be mad to give up this scheme. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, this this lump sum may look very attractive at the moment, but don't forget, you can't spend it until you're fifty-five anyhow. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it may look very attractive anyhow, um, but actually, you'd be giving up far too much. We believe, and that would be our advice. Okay. But other cases, you say, well, actually, I think it's. You, you could benefit from doing this. Yeah. But it will depend on certain personal circumstances and the type of scheme. So there's no one 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 scheme fits all. It is very Absolutely much dependent not. On, on Absolutely the person. Not. Very much so. Okay. So mm. we've spoken a little bit about innovation in Kent, mm. I should say. Um, what's what's happening at the moment? Um, what type of industries are you typically working with in, in the local area? Um, well, if I can give a plug to one that we, we, we work with, <laughs> which ahead. is... Um, just because it's in the media as well. Yeah. Um, this is KMTV. Um, this is Kent Messenger and Kent University have put a combined effort together and um, set up a television station. Yeah. Which now reaches Canterbury. Um, nice. I've appeared on it once, <laughs> <laughs> talking about a very interesting change to the state pension law. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's um, been quite successful. I've got to say, I was very impressed with the whole professionalism of it. That's good. Um, and it's, it, and it, I think it sets Kent University apart on the basis that um, I think they're the only people doing a media course where you could actually work on a live TV station. Yeah, and, and that's a big difference as well, mm. being a media company ourselves. It's yeah. that for me, looking at hiring, then mm. I need people that are able to yeah. have that experience because a lot mm. of people are like, yes, you know, you need a degree, but then you also need five years' experience on live sets, yeah. whereas actually in reality, mm. it's physically impossible to do stuff like that. So it's good that they're providing that and, and having yeah. that mm. having that happen. Yeah, but in general, from a company's perspective, most of the companies we deal with are small companies you know three four director type companies yeah. um who again going back to pensions you know we may have set up their pension scheme for their employees but then we're looking at something very different for the directors of the company yeah uh where they're looking at tax planning and everything else so do you look at um so if a company was looking at tax planning and and different other wealth management options for, mm. for the corporate side of the business um is that something you do on on both levels so it's directorship level and very staff much so. levels yeah very much so yeah, I think it's quite important. I mean, um, sometimes the you know the needs 
are the same across the board. Um, but in many cases, that they are different, particularly as a company becomes more successful. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that directors are looking at is tax-efficient ways of taking income. And uh, once you, if you, it's all sorts of things against taking too much out. Yeah. So you think, well, actually use pensions or, or, or whatever. Okay. Uh, and, and in many cases, what we're doing is working with their accountants, particularly this time of year, actually, we'd be doing quite a lot of um, company contributions into pension schemes. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite mm. a big uh, a hot topic yeah. at the moment with the accountants on, yeah, especially absolutely. last month, previously, for, for all of the self-assessments and, and different bits and pieces. So, Well, it's not worth talking to them in January because they, <laughs> they go into a, into a cave and they do their yes. things. And I was so, trying to hire in yeah. January a, a yeah. new accountant and it was the worst experience of my yeah, life. Exactly. Unfortunately, I found Martin, and yeah. um, who we both know. Um, who is a fantastic accountant but he just before that uh, yeah. it was it was mad I was calling up accountant season yeah. I was like yeah we can speak to you in you know March maybe <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like, okay exactly. okay that's that's always good um, okay great so if people are looking for wealth management advice and um, mm. looking for a wealth management company what what type of what's the best way of contacting you okay um, well the first thing forgetting about us for a minute the first thing you, you should be looking at is is a company that's independent yep um, that has a that means they have a whole of market approach so they will have the ability to look at everything you have um, but also advise you on everything on the market yeah so that's important um, and also I think you should be looking at companies that have a charter status mm-hmm. uh, like ourselves funny yeah. enough um, <laughs> where that happens. yes yeah. exactly um, but that really shows that they have a higher level of knowledge yeah and experience within the company and um, it's accepted um, acknowledgement from the Chartered Insurance Institute that this company is of a certain quality. Yeah. So I think those are the two things you look for. Um, I've forgotten the rest of the question there. Was, well, it was just the um, yeah. best way to get in touch with a wealth management company or specifically yeah. yourselves. Yeah. Um, most, I mean, obviously, you know, we are on, on the web, we have a website. Yeah. Um, if you put in Tarvos Wealth, clearly it will come up. There's yeah. no other Tarvos Wealth as I'm aware <laughs> of. Um, and... I suppose, again, if you look up independent financial advisor in Canterbury, Kent or whatever, I guess we would come up, but others, other you know, other good competitors will come up as well. Yeah. Um, but that's, obviously, online is the best way of, of taking your first steps, if you like. Um, look at the website. Look at the sort of things they do. Do they, does that fit in with what you're trying to do as a, yeah. as a person or a company? Do that, do that sort of work. Um, for example, if you wanted a mortgage... We have people we use, but we don't ourselves do mortgages. Yes. We refer it to someone who we, we know is very competent in doing that. Um, so we wouldn't be your first port of call. Yeah. But if you're looking for, say, wealth management or pension advice, then we might be the right sort of company. Okay, thank you, Simon. So it's been a really informative uh, really informative podcast today, actually. So thank you for, for being a guest. Um, so the one thing we like to do here on the Kent Business Podcast is is leave the, the, the listeners with one question that you would love to ask the audience. Um, it could be about your industry. It could be about Tavos Wealth. You know, what, it could be anything. So what's the one question that you'd like answered? Okay, I think over the years I've seen a lot of clients that really should have taken advice much earlier. Yeah. And what I really wonder is what stops people getting advice? Is it some of the perception of our business, our industry generally? Yeah. Um, is it cost? And on that basis, we've, we've taken a decision that we will always speak to anyone free of charge initially anyhow. Um, so that would be my question, I think, is why haven't you taken advice in the past? What stops you doing that? Okay, perfect. Yeah. 
yeah that's 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 a great question actually so what is that reason guys please comment on the podcast itself and also we can uh, have that running on twitter as well and we'll, we'll market that so you guys can get in touch with simon and uh, we'll make sure that simon gets all of your answers okay so thank you very much for being a guest simon it's no been problem. a pleasure yeah. and um i hopefully i'll speak to you again soon yeah i'm sure we will <laughs> right bye everyone